Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 115, an interview with Lissa Figgins. My name is Jesse Ellertson, and I am a certified life coach, a 15-year military wife, and a mother of six. I love working with flowers, playing games, and going to the movies, and I'm a huge fan of my husband and kids, sleeping in, and everything about food. I have created this podcast as a free resource for military wives who want to improve the experience that they are having while their service member is deployed. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. Okay, everyone, I am so excited to introduce you today to Lissa Figgins. She is here as a guest on my podcast. Uh, Lissa is the wife of a U.S. Army veteran. She has three kids, two of which are also members of the military and currently on active duty. She, over her 20 years and multiple deployments, she shouldered her part of the mission on the home front, caring for her three kids and a household for up to a year at a time, like so many of us have done. And the hardest part that she didn't know was going to be the hardest part was when the war came home and her husband struggled with PTSD. And that's one of the main things that we are going to be talking with Lissa about today. She's going to share with us her experience with that and also some very cool projects that she and her husband are involved in that are in regards to that and have come as a result from that. And we're just so happy to have you here, Lissa, and can't wait to hear more about you and who you are and, and all that we have set to talk about today. Yes. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. It's so fun to get to have a conversation with you and everybody else gets to listen in, right? I like to yes. say that that's how this goes. So I trust that they're going to be blessed and encouraged and challenged and yes. moved to take action by the things we're talking about today. I love that. Awesome. Thanks, Lisa. Okay. Well, let's start out by just hearing a little bit more about you and then uh, we'll get into, into more of that, what we're talking about. Sure. Sure. So I like to say, I did not know what I was signing up for. Um, when my husband and I got married 27 years ago, he was almost to the end of his initial um, enlistment time and was not planning to re-enlist. So while I was super proud, right, that I was marrying a military man and this was amazing, it just was not something that was on his radar or my radar that this was going to be, you know, what would have the greatest impact on our marriage. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so it wasn't too long into it. He, he finished out that six years, like shortly after we got married, didn't think about it for a while, you know, was on an active ready reserve list, but never called up. And then everything was just done until nine 11 happened. Yeah. Right. He's just that guy who cannot sit idly by and not be doing something. Right. And so he just turned to me and he was like, I have to go serve. I don't even remember us praying about it. I don't remember having a long conversation. I just remember seeing the look on his face and just knowing like, I'm not going to hold you back from doing what you feel like God is calling you to do. Right. Yeah. And so, okay, great. So he reenlisted within, I think about two months of signing on the dotted line, he had orders already. And a couple months later he was leaving and our youngest was just turning a year old. I remember because he had already left us, but he wasn't too far away. So for her birthday, we drove and met him. I remember having birthday cake in the hotel room. Oh my um, and then he left from there. Um, so my dad often jokes, like you had no idea that you were going to be a military wife. Right. right. So you mentioned my sons, right. So one of them is about to get married and he's active duty and she knows that full well, like she knows, she knows. like they've had lots of conversations in their dating and in their engagement and with their premarital counseling and with their pastor, right. About what is this going to look like and how is this going to impact us? And how are we preparing for this and how are we going to respond when it gets hard and when he has to leave and, yes. you know, when different things happen, I feel like my husband and I, we had like zero of that because yeah. it was not even like a thing. And so when he left, it was like, okay, I guess we're doing this. And I'm a really like strong, figure it out myself. I can yes. do this kind of girl, which ended up working in my favor. Yes. Um, right. Because yeah, I was homeschooling. I've got three kids. I'm now home by myself. And my husband was um, most of his career. He was um, national guard. And then he moved to the reserves near the end. So yes. during all of all of the time that he was in the military, we were never near a base. I didn't have other military wives. I didn't have other people that like understood what this was like that could come alongside me to mentor me, ask questions. I mean, there weren't Facebook groups at this time that I'm dating myself, right? About to turn 50. <laughs> there weren't podcasts like this. I mean, I'm thinking about mm. this woman listening, like how amazing to have a, someone like you in her ear on a regular basis, knowing like I'm not alone and it's okay. And so powerful. Here's, and, think about. here's what this little acronym means, you know, yes. like all those things. I didn't have anything. Uh, so I just kind of figured it out. And uh, 
part of the way I figured it out was like, I like put him like up on a box. Right. And I just did what I did. I put my blinders on and just lived life. And I'm sure we've all been in that place where you just have to like, not feel sorry for yourself. You just have to do it. Yeah, and absolutely. people always ask me, how do you do this? Right. Like, how do you do it? And you know, like I, I really, truly just think it's a mindset of just, mm-hmm. I, this is the way that I support, you know, we always call me household six, which is, you know, the one who's taking care of everything on the home front. That's my like code name. We all code I names. love that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just, you did it. And I remember my husband thanking me because he said, you know, sometimes there are guys I'm with whose husbands or whose wives are, you know, are a lot more needy and it can be really distracting and hard for, you know, for the spouse um, who's over on the other side of the world, you know, doing something in harm's way or just away from home. So mm-hmm. I did my best, right. Kind of figuring it out, multiple deployments overseas, quite a few missions where he went to either to other countries or other part of our country. So he was gone a lot. I mean, we, we totaled up. By the time my daughter was turning five, he'd been gone for almost three years of her life. You know, so we're talking, he was gone a lot, right? But thankfully I was strong, resilient and right. Like we can do this. Um, What I didn't expect was what it was going to be like when he came home. And that I think was even harder than when he was gone. Because when he was gone, I could be in that mindset of just, okay, buck it up, girl. Like, let's do this. You know, we can do hard things. And I had my church community and I had my family and I had my kids and we just did it. But when he came home and I started noticing some things, that's when it really started getting harder. So yeah, that's what we are wanting to get into today. And I'm so grateful for your willingness to share this story because this can be a very personal and private story that not everybody feels comfortable talking about and feels comfortable sharing. But the power of sharing it is that so many of us go through it and you feel like just eternally alone. Both, Both sides of the equation feel so, so, so alone. You feel weak. You feel, you know, all the things that just kind of keep you stuck in it even more. So anytime that someone is willing to share their personal experience with this, I think it is so valuable and so powerful. So thank you for your, for you and your husband's willingness to share this story. Well, that's where we are now. I mean, that's not where we were 10, 15 years ago, because so here's what started happening. I started, you know, you know how it is. Like, even, even if I was gone somewhere, right. There's always this transition period when you get back. Right. So maybe you had a girl's weekend. And so you're kind of in that mode and now you're transitioning back or you're on vacation. Right. Or just whatever, you know, like I get it that there's some kind of a a transition time, but it just felt like he wasn't fully back with us. Like there was still like a piece of him that was somewhere else. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, he had invested a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of heart, blood, blood, sweat, and tears, literally right in other places with a group of guys that he was really really connected with. And so, you know, like I understood that, but what I started noticing more than that was, you know, he was really quick to, to like get upset, you know, and the, the anger was like, kind of always like under the surface and, um, you know, and just little things would, would, would trigger. Right. And sometimes it was something directly from me. Sometimes it was something just in our environment or whatever. Right. But I was the one who was around him the most. So then I heard these things. Right. So that, that started happening. And, you know, I just, I was always on edge, right. I always kind of felt like, ah, you know, like I want to be with you, but sometimes I want to not be right next to you because I don't always know if you're safe right now. Right. Mm. Um, And, and when I would try to say things, it was not met with, oh, thank you for bringing that to my attention or thank you for saying something. And part of that may have been because I literally had an empty toolbox. I had no idea how as a spouse do I say something to my husband, right? Like, yeah. you think how about do it, I bring normal. it up productively? Yeah. yeah, even in a normal, healthy relationship, like, you know, like there are ways to bring up things and there are ways yeah. to not bring up things, you know? And so I'm sure that there were times when I did more harm than good. Mm-hmm just kind of trying to like say, Hey, what's going on? You know? And I started noticing, you know, like it wasn't, well, it actually started more at nighttime, right. Where he was having those nightmares and he was literally fighting in his sleep. And then all of a sudden I would be like the enemy that he was like, you know, taken down. I'm like, well, well, what's your wife wake up, you know? But it was when those things were happening during the day and I felt more like the enemy all day long, that that's really where it started concerning me. And, um, you know, but again, I still was that like, I'm strong. I can figure this out. Like, it's okay. And I kept just telling my friends who were not military wives. So they don't get any of that piece of it because I didn't have any military wife friends at this point. I just kept saying like, it's okay. Right. Like I got this, but what I would do is one of two things. I would either defend myself because I felt like he was like, you know, coming at me in some way that I had done something wrong or something like that. So I would defend myself that, you know, no, that's not what I was doing or whatever. Right. It should make him more angry. 
or I would just retreat, right? Because I didn't want to get hurt. And neither of those really helped, you know, the situation either. And it wasn't, and I watched him, you know, friends of his didn't come home, you know, and just the impact that that had. And just anytime you would hear about things happening, I could see that it was really affecting him. And it finally got to the point where he admitted to me that he was having thoughts about taking his own life. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Like this is way bigger than me. I can't. Yeah. Keep carrying this load. And so that's one thing I would say, like if someone's listening and you're seeing some, you know, some signs, some red flags, whether it's in your spouse, maybe it's in your friend's spouse, you know, like we have to be watching out for each other. Right. And being able to be honest about what's going on behind closed doors and things like that. Like, you know, that first, that first thing is awareness. Okay. Something's not quite right. I knew in my gut, something wasn't right, but he kept telling me everything's fine. Right. He kept telling me PTSD is something they make up for weak people who can't handle war, you know, and he is, he's super strong. He's super resilient mentally, physically. Right. So I just believed him. Okay. But here's what was really interesting in the story. Um, We had been near Fort, where were we? We were near Fort Bragg and we were going to a church there and there were a group of military wives. Um, and we're doing this Bible study. So because we hardly ever got to go with him, he was doing training for like a year. So I was like, yes, we're coming with you. We're not going to live, you know, back home when you are still in the country. So we went with him. And that was like my first opportunity to like have friends that actually understood this. And they were doing this Bible study called when war comes home. And I remember being in the Bible study and I remember like, like, okay, yeah, like this, it's all about PTSD, but I'm thinking to myself, my husband's fine. He says this. Yeah. He doesn't have it. Like whatever. That's like, we're good. Yeah. 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 And, but I wasn't going to like check out, you know, I was still craving that connection. So I decided I'm just going to keep doing this. And you know what? I just had this feeling. I felt like almost like an audible voice was like saying to me, like someday someone, you know, is going to need this. And so it was more like, I'm taking this, like this Bible study for her so that one day I can help a friend who's got, you know, this situation going on in her house. So lo and behold, guess who was that person? It right? was you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. God knew, right. God knew oh, that's yeah. why he had me there. Um, and you know, and so all of a sudden I was her and I had a little bit right of that knowledge from, from back then, but it was, it had been years, you know, since that study, I, again, I didn't have anyone around me and I didn't quite know what to do. Right. And so that's why I would just say to someone, the first, that first point is awareness, like notice the things that are happening, um, and then find someone that you can talk to, you know, yes. it doesn't have to necessarily be a counselor as your first person, but a trusted friend, maybe you're close with your mom and that's someone who could understand, maybe a sister, maybe, you know, somebody that like goes to your church or just someone that you can talk to and say, Hey, these are things that I'm experiencing and seeing. Is this normal? Like, I just thought it was normal. Right. And it wasn't until my friends were like, Lisa, that's not normal. Like, that's not, that's not okay. You know? And then I kind of started noticing more and I was like, yeah, and it wasn't what I wanted, you know? But I think what he saw was when I tried to, when I tried to say something, or then when I tried to reach out for help, once I did have awareness, he saw it as me trying to get away from him. Mm. And really it was me fighting for us. And so it took a while for him to finally be able to come to that point of saying like, thank you. Thank you for being willing to step up. Thank you for being willing to reach out to other people. Even when I made it difficult, like, you know, thank you for for doing that. Cause it was met with a lot of resistance. I'm sure that that can take some time to get to that place because it's, it's a journey to get to the other side of this. And even when you're on the other side, it's, it's not just over. Usually there's, you know, uh, it it can go, it can, it can change them. Right. Even though they may learn how to manage it and live with it and maybe even heal a lot from it. Right. So it can take, I'm sure a lot of time to get past it. And I'm really glad you pointed that out because, you know, as I thank you for sharing your story, I wouldn't want somebody who's in the thick of it to be like, why aren't I ready to share my story? It's like, you're not in the thick of it right now, but you're in this perfect position to say, I've been there and I'm here now. And I'm like, there's, there's me and there's other resources and support out there who knows what it feels like to feel what you're feeling, who know, who will be able to hear you understand it, give you a little guidance, a push in the right direction, a little encouragement, a little support, which is what you need in those moments when you don't know what to do next. And I love that you mentioned like your two kind of primary reactions would be to defend or to escape, kind of run away, which is like the fight or flight, right? Which we're all pretty aware of. And I would hope that women listening who are in that position, who find themselves doing those things as well, would know that that those are really understandable responses, even if they're not like resolving the situation. They're, they're, they're very, um, they, when you don't know what to do next, 
that those are your main go-tos and and it's okay to be doing those things until you're able to find a trusted source or resources that will help so that you can sort of interrupt some of that. And that's, that's what, where we'll, where we'll head here. I'm sure as I'm loving. And I'm so glad I had a group of friends around me who were willing to sit me down. Like, so we, I get together with a group of girlfriends once a year. And so we don't have a lot of in day in and day out interaction with each Mm -hmm. other because we live in different States, you know, we're all doing different things, you know, like all that, but when we get together, it's like super focused and we are just, we literally don't leave our pajamas for like three days and just sit coffee and cry and laugh and pray and all the things. I love but I that. remember one year I was the focus, right? Because they heard enough things that I said that I remember we got in like on a Thursday night and Friday morning, they just sat me down. I think one girl probably hadn't gone to sleep and she goes, I just spent all night crying and praying over you and just doing some research. And like, I want you to know, like, this is not okay. And we are here to support you, you know? So that just meant the world to me because, you know, sometimes we need someone outside of ourselves who can see the things and say the things that we can't see and say ourselves. You know, I knew there was something, you know, in me, cause of course I was trying to make things better. I was trying to smooth it over. I was trying to like, you know, that's my personality. That's what I do, but that wasn't fixing things. And it was, uh, it was not benefiting my husband or myself or our relationship in that. So I would say, yeah, make sure that you just have solid friendships around you, even if it's just one person or two people, um, you know, people that you can be honest and vulnerable with and someone who's going to be willing to to say something um, if they're if they're seeing some red flags. Well, I think it can be really helpful to find that person who also has the military background and and knowledge that way. But it doesn't even have to be that even if it's just someone who will stand by you while you figure out what the next step is. And like you said, have that outside perspective. So like, while I would recommend it be someone who understands military life and, and that that mm, Aspe- those aspects, I wouldn't limit yourself to that. Would you agree with that? That it, it really, yeah, because my none of my friends are yeah. have any military experience, right? But what I left that weekend saying, I promise I'm going to go make a point with a counselor, you know, like I knew what my next step was and I knew that it wasn't okay and I knew that something needed to happen. Those are the things that they helped me with. They couldn't help me with the day to day, they couldn't help me with all the little, you know, nuances of it, but they could help me get started and point in the right direction for sure. I love that. I yeah. love that. And then then eventually my husband was open. Yeah. Yeah, He eventually was open. I think when he, he finally broke down to his brother about what was going on and how he was feeling. And I think he was holding a lot of it internally too. I mean, you know, even though I thought that I was seeing a lot of it, there was so much more happening, you know, in this battle going on under the surface. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the hard part. Right. And I would just say anyone who knows anyone who served in any kind of a combat mission, like people come home with, you know, a missing arm, a missing leg, a, you know, whatever. And, and you can see that, right. You look yeah. at them and not in a pity way, but you just, you know, like the sacrifice they made and you can see the effect that war had on them. And so, yeah, if my husband was missing an arm, I wouldn't be upset if he couldn't, you know, build me a house, you know, I could see like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Because you're missing this. We might need to figure out a different way to do this or whatever. I'd have a little bit more understanding, but because it's when they're mental injuries, which, you know, I don't know the statistics on it, but um, you know, like you can't be in an austere environment, like, you know, in an environment like they're in, right. Uh, especially of combat one and not be affected in some way. Right. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that it's because it's, yeah, it's, it's not how it's supposed to be. Right. And not that everybody's going to end up with a PTSD diagnosis, but right. they're going to be impacted, but the problem will is be impacted. it's yeah. not visible. Right. And no. so I wouldn't know if he was struggling until he exploded in anger. Right. So it could have been going on for, you know, hours or days without me knowing it. But then also when things would happen, you know, I would just see it as an attack against me. So then I went into my fight or flight right mode, instead of really being able to understand and stop and process and say, this is my husband's injury that is leading to this, not to excuse what was happening, but to have an understanding of like, okay, now how do I respond? Because I understand what it is that's, you know, that's happening. Exactly. Well, and for you, it's when he would burst, I imagine it would, or when he would be angry, I imagine it would feel like kind of that concept of the zero to 60, where you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Right. And so to even have the understanding for both of you, because it might even feel like zero to 60 to him, but Mm -hmm. there's there, it's building kind of under the surface for like, it's good for you to understand that and good for him to understand that. Like I didn't just go from perfectly calm and Zen and peace to full anger. Like it was building for lots of reasons under the surface. And when you both understand that, I think just so much of that awareness, so much of that understanding just helps you feel way more equipped 
to handle each like scenario as it comes up. And yet my husband also has TBI, traumatic brain injury, oh. right? Because he's been hit in the head so many times and yes. jumped out of so many things and hit the ground or whatever, right? Stop so jumping out of things. That, when that happens, there's literally the part of your brain that's like right at the at the base of it that's supposed to slow down your responses that mm. literally like doesn't work. And it does sometimes go from zero to 60 like that wow. fast. Wow. So yeah, it's almost, it, it like totally like changes the brain, both of both PTSD and TBI, yeah. you know, that as do so many other, you know, mental injuries and things like that as well. And so, yeah, so he finally reached out and, and got some support from not only friends, um, but he also got some professional support and that started making a difference. It didn't make everything go away. Right. It didn't just like magically, you know, like all of a sudden, okay, we're, you know, just a normal family again, but it started kind of just, yeah, it kind of brought everything down to a, an easier level where we could have conversations and we could, we could recognize that he started getting and learning tools and techniques to be able to recognize when he was going, you know, when that part of his brain was, was not telling him, Hey, this is not a huge threat. You can kind of, you know, simmer this one down versus, okay, no, you have to be heightened alert. Right. So he started learning how to do that. I started learning how to recognize those things too. I want to ask you right here. I imagine that a lot of women or just military significant others in this scenario would struggle with knowing like when that moment was going to come and maybe how to help their husband get there because you had to take care of you and understand it better on your end. And then I want to find out from you, like for them, and they need to get to the point where they finally will open up about it. And we are like, I can just, I just know from myself and other people that it's like, we're over here saying, how can I get him like closer to being wanting to open up? And it's definitely a, a bit of a balance and a waiting game, I'm sure. But in your experience, is there anything you can do to just help them get to that place or to feel safe to do that or to help them get the awareness to realize like they need to talk to someone or is it all about just they'll get there when they like when certain things click into place and then they'll realize they they need that they've got something going on and that they need to open up to someone about it. Uh, yes and yes. Yes and yes. <laughs> Both of them, right? I mean, it, it, to some extent, we can't change them, right? We can't make them come to a realization. And sometimes we're the very person that you know, the last person that they're going to listen to, or they might listen to someone else, you know, one of the guys that they've been serving with or something, they might list them in a different way than they would listen to us, not because they don't love us, right? I knew in my heart of hearts through all of it, my husband loves me. Like I, I knew that and I knew he wasn't just trying to be angry and just trying to make things difficult, right? So I knew right. that I knew what his heart of heart was. But yeah, sometimes when, yeah, I was the one who was trying to step in or help that wasn't always helpful. Yeah. Um, so some of it is, is giving a little bit of space sometimes. Um, I think that's important. A book that I've actually been reading more recently is called Loving and Supporting Someone with PTSD mm. by Stephen Arterburn. And I wish I had this years ago, right? But sometimes it's giving space, but also it's being that compassionate companion where you're willing to step in and say, hey, like, I see that, I see that you're experiencing this. And I'm really sorry, you know, like, so it's, it's letting them know, I recognize this and I'm feeling for you. Right. Cause I think they feel very alone. Right. We feel alone on this side of Absolutely. things, but like you said, like, I think they feel alone. Like nobody understands me. And you know, why is, why is everybody like this? And you know, it's not the same kind of purpose they had when they were on a mission and they were doing really important stuff to save the world. Right. Right. Well, and I can imagine similarly to how you were almost trying to talk yourself out of that. There's an issue here. They're doing the same thing. They are seeing themselves feel differently and show up differently and react differently than what they know they would normally do. And they're also telling themselves, this isn't anything. This is fine. It'll pass. It'll go away. I'm not in trouble. Like you're both kind of trying to talk yourself out of that. We don't have a problem here because yeah, that right. be amazing if we didn't. And if it just went away magically. Right. And so that, that probably adds some time to when you're really finally ready to face it is that, yeah. that, that yeah. phase of talking yeah. yourself out of it. <laughs> right. So going back to your question, I couldn't do anything other than just let him know I'm not going anywhere. Cause I think that was a big thing. Like, I think yeah. he, especially when I started reaching out for help, I think he had a real fear that I was going to leave. I was going to, you know, do something in that way, you know, like letting him know, like, I'm still here. I mean, I'm protecting myself to make sure, you know, in, in, in every way that I'm, you know, that I'm not being hurt, but you know, that wasn't going anywhere. And I think just taking care of yourself is really key. And that really during that time was when I started really diving into my Bible. I started diving into personal growth. I was praying a ton. I was, I actually started a coaching business during that season. Only be, that. part of that was because I needed something to pour into, right? Like when you only are seeing like what you're in and that's your whole reality, it's really hard. It's really frustrating. So 
you know, I often look back over that time and say, I'm so glad I had some things and it wasn't me trying to get away from him. Although sometimes he thought that that was what I was doing. It was just a way that, yeah, I could have something that was pouring in the growth in my life, right? Because I don't think I would have had the strength and the resiliency to have responded and to have stood up and done the things that I did if I hadn't been working on myself, if I hadn't been, you know, growing in some of those areas in my faith and just in, you know, and knowing who I was and what my value was and what my purpose was and those types of things. Mm. And not defining myself by, you know, the situation that was going on. Mm, That's so good. And I think that it is interesting that the answer to my question, like you're saying is, as you focus on yourself and work on yourself and get yourself the help that you need, it gives them the space, which is what they actually need. And it's just hard to give them because you're both miserable in a way, but to give them the space and that will actually support them the most in them getting to the part where they realize, okay, I'm going to accept that I have a problem. I'm going to reach out for help. And by just bringing that focus back to yourself while still, you know, loving and supporting your partner, that's, that's really the answer. And that, that can be so tricky in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, how do you put ha- healthy boundaries in place, yeah. but yet not let it be a barrier between you. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a balance there. And sometimes I, a lot of times I didn't do it right. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I've, you know, neither did he, but we, you know, we were, we leaned into the process and we were willing to work and we just had a very small circle of people who knew. And, you know, we started learning how to be able to talk to each other about it. I think that mm-hmm. was one big thing was like, I couldn't talk to him about it. You know, like it never turned out well, <laughs> you know, well, it would be so much better if someone else was in the room, but that wasn't always possible. And eventually we needed to get to the point where we could, you know, t- you know, talk ourselves, but I think any healthy marriage, right. Yes. Needs to be having some outside perspective once in a while, not you going off and like, Oh, he, this to your girlfriends, I'm not no. talking about that. But like, I want to be a better wife in this situation, or I'm just not sure. I keep seeing this over and over again, you know, like, I think that's just healthy, right. That we just learn how to communicate and love and support one another because life happens, right. Whether it's this or whether it's something else. I mean, there's a lot of hard things in life and uh, we, we don't always feel like we're equipped. Um, so sometimes we need well, those I, resources. I love that analogy you shared right at the beginning of the tool belt, because that's such a good visual of getting that element of communication down amidst hard times. I think we get communication. We get lots of practice communicating just during kind of normal or like sort of hard times, but communication during really hard times, that's a huge tool in your tool belt so that you can, that you can get support and resources for on both ends to just really set yourself up for success in that area, because that's, that can be so hard. And yet when you have practice at it and get better at it. A huge help when you're in, in the midst of those hard things. Sure. Sure. And you know, the situations are less and less now, you know, he still will mm-hmm. get triggered by something and I, but I can recognize it oftentimes. And I can say to him, Hey honey, I can see like, this is your PTSD. That's doing this. Like, what do you need right now? Do you need some space? Do you want me to be by you? Like sometimes he's just like, he can see it in himself and he's just like, leave me alone in the garage, right? I'm like it out. <laughs> you're close to me. I might do something or say something that I'm going to regret. So just mm-hmm. give me space. And, you know, but he knows, you know, like himself and I know, so I can recognize those things. And then I also know, so that I'm not personally being like offended by what, what's happening. And I can, I can recognize and say, okay, I know this is, I could see that this was just what triggered. Right. And so I have a better understanding of like, how, how do I respond or how do I, you know, feel myself, um, you know, so that that way I'm not, allowing or causing more, more hurts or wounds to take place. And it sets you up to not take it personally, which just adds so much pain to the situation that, that didn't need to be there. Even though if you are in a place where you're doing that right now, this is now talking to the listeners. That's also a very normal human response, right? Fight or flight, taking things personally. Like that's, that's a very normal reaction to this scenario. But when you are able to find the support and the resources, it helps you pull you out of those kind of traps and patterns that can bring so much extra pain and, and suffering to the scenario that's already hard. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I will say to that person listening, if this is your the path that you're on, like it, you know, when you have support around you, um, both as a couple and then also, you know, individually, like it does yeah. get better. I, like you said, I don't know that it will ever go away. Yeah. And there's a piece of that, like, I don't think ever will fully heal, right? Because yeah. of the things that have happened, not, not only like psychologically, but also just like physically in his brain, right? Yes. Some of those things can never be fully erased. And that just keeps him in a tender place, you know, where he just really has a heart for protecting the oppressed and, you know, and doing things to stand up for freedoms and, you know, and all of that. And so I, I've just learned to really honor that and say, wow, my husband's really just, you know, being who God's called him to be. And he's just a protector and he's a fighter and he's willing to do what many people aren't willing to do, you know, on behalf of others. 
Well, and it it so. represents the humanness because when you witness war, whatever spectrum of war you've witnessed, like we are impacted by it and thank goodness because only yeah. robots wouldn't be right. Like we're humans. We right. want to be impacted by yeah. terrible things. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so what happened for us kind of, you know, kind of this next part of the story, a couple of years ago, we were actually on a college visit with my daughter and our exchange student, And we were actually sitting at a concert and my husband got a phone call and he left the room and he came back in. I mean, like I could tell he'd been crying and he was still crying. I'm like, what's going on? And one of his friends that he had served with, his son had just committed suicide. And, you know, just, you know, my husband has, has, you know, he's, you know, struggled in his head. He knows that that battle, right. But then he also has had friends who have had that happen as well. And then now this friend lost his son and he just was really moved by that situation. And just what can we do? Not just how do I get myself healthy, but how do I help other people? How do I help support my friend right now who just lost his son? You know, how do I, how do I help our boys? And I think it's really even heavier on my husband's heart that our boys are going active duty because he knows firsthand what they can and will experience. You know, I know to an extent and I know kind of the challenges that, you know, maybe their wives and their families are going to experience, but I don't know all the heart and mind things that are going to happen. And I think he he just really has a heart for them and does such a good job in reaching out. But so anyway, shortly after that time, we met some people who were telling us about this rowing across the ocean thing uh, with a bunch of veterans. And my husband is like up for a challenge at any time, you know, he's only, he just turned 50, but he's like, I can do anything. Right. Um, and so we're, we're like, well, tell us more. And so uh, he was introduced to this organization called fight or die OAR as in the boat uh, oars. And it's a veteran organization um, to help support mental wellness and suicide prevention for our veterans, right? For all of these soldiers and service members who have served and have some type of mental injury, because like you said, that doesn't go away, right? And what happens is when they end their military career, whether it's ended because they, you know, like my husband where, you know, he got to a retirement age and then he's like, I'm done. Or a lot of people who have an injury that does not allow them to serve any longer, like things change in life, right? It's very hard for them to find that purpose and to find that meaning and to find that camaraderie out in the civilian world. Yeah. Um, Kind of a, what do you do? And so it's no wonder why that I think that kind of like exacerbates the mental injuries, right. And the depression and, and other struggles that they can have. And so, so what these, what these guys do is they raise funds uh, for that. And the funds go to a couple of different things. Um, they go to um, providing scholarships for people that are going into careers that will be serving veterans one day. So I think that's amazing, right? People who already have a heart say, here are people who have served our country. How can I serve them at some point, you know, in their life? And so helping them to get the edu- education they need, and then also providing mental health first aid courses which I think is phenomenal because, you know, probably most of us listening to this podcast have taken a regular old first aid course at some point, either because yes. we're going to be babysitting or we're, we're going to be a lifeguard or we worked at a camp or we just want to be a good mom or right. Like we did that. We learned, what do you do if somebody's choking? What do you do if somebody's bleeding? What do you do if, you know, somebody's not breathing, you know, and while we're not going to be the doctor to perform surgery, hopefully we can at least have enough tools so that if that situation happens and we're the present adult you know, we can respond and help them until we can get them to a professional. So essentially that's what mental first aid does is the same thing, except it's with those mental, you know, injuries instead. And so really helping to see what am I looking for? What are the signs and symptoms? Yes. Like, what am I looking for? And then how do I respond so that I'm not pushing them right over an edge, over a cliff? Cause they're already really close. How do I help give them the help they need in the moment, but then get them to the professional support? A professional. They- yeah. I love that yeah. concept of mental health first aid because we can feel so powerless as like the loved ones of people who are struggling because we say, oh, I, I'm not a mental health professional. Like I can't help them. But but what's so cool about the first aid concept is anyone can go through a mental health first aid or a physical health first aid course yeah. to have just those initial response um, in their tool belt, right? To just give them those appropriate for in like fit one size fit all. I don't know how to say it, but just like available to anyone so that you can be just that first touch point to then boost them to what will really be like the, the big solution, but it just empowers you to be in that position. And, and I love anything that helps 
um, mental health struggles and concepts just feel more accessible to you. So like we all understand that concept of first aid. And so as soon as you apply it to mental health first aid, your brain just clicks like, oh, that's what that is. That's how I would help. I would just get these few things I could do. I just, I love that so much. Yeah. Right. But, but we don't think about like, I need to be equipped in this area, especially yeah. as military wives, right. Especially as having somebody right under our own roof who may need, you know, who may need us at some point. And what I love is because this is all a a nonprofit donor run organization, those courses are free, you know? And so it's because, because there's just such a need, you know, for it. So here's the fun part of the story. So what these guys do is a a team of four of them get in a rowboat. Now we're not talking like a wooden rowboat that you're thinking going across the pond, right? This is a legit. Yeah, this is a legit rowboat, but the only motor is yourself, right? Wow. They, um, so this is kind of like that scroll stopping thing, right? That makes people go, what? You're doing what? You're rowing 3000 miles across what? The Atlantic ocean? Like, do you have support boats coming alongside? Nope. You got resupply. Nope. You get a break. Nope. Like it's you and your, in your team and the ocean for depending on what kind of boat you have, there's a race class and there's a open class anywhere from 33 to 50 some days. Uh, to get from the Canary Islands over to um, to the Caribbean, which is where they end up. Um, but what it does is a couple of things. I mean, I just I'll give you the link to the website in a, in a yes. minute. And there's pictures on there of two of the teams in the past at the end, and you can tell it's at the end because they've got they haven't shaved for like 50 days, right? That so you can tell they've lost some weight. But if you mm-hmm. look at their eyes, it's like there's something changed in them because they did that experience, right? Because they physically got themselves from point A to point B in a rowboat, right? Against pushed all to their, Yeah, pushed to their limits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it does something for them. So I'm looking forward just to seeing like what it does to my husband. And this is a big year. I mean, he turned 50. He's got some things he's considering with career, you know, kind of am I ready to be done with my civilian career? And what does that look like? And what's next? And, you know, so I feel like this is going to be a really cool, like culminating experience, you know, for him uh, and just kind of figuring out who he is in this next chapter and, and that kind of thing. Um, and the other thing it does is it provides an example to other veterans of like, yeah, you can still do hard things. You can still have missions. You can still have a team of guys you work with. You can, you know, like you can find that um, lottery you know, you and- have, yeah, you've got a place. And so, you know, yeah, there not many people are going to be crazy enough to get in the boat. <laughs> you don't have to go friend. all the way to this, this place. I, know, right? I love that. That's yeah, cool. But theoretically we're all getting in a boat of some kind, right? Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's just a really cool opportunity to raise awareness and to raise funds to not only fund the, you know, the team that's going to be rowing and, but then also to help fund these courses and these scholarships and, and things like that. So that, you know, people are paying attention, right? Yeah. So the team specifically is raising funds as well as just like the company on a whole and yes. how, like how many teams are there and are they all veterans? Like Okay. So the, the, the race they're entering is called the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. It takes off in December, on December 12th, every year. It's been going on for years and years. Uh, so you can look it up. I actually have a video on the homepage of our website that you can look because it's kind of one of those things you have to see it to believe it. Yeah. Yes. It's like, oh, I don't really like grasp this. What do you mean? Uh, there's actually an app. So when they're actually, when they're on the trip, you can follow on the app exactly where their boat oh, is. So that's really fun. I love that. So we, we were able to follow this year's team, you know, on, on, uh, on their, on their trip as well. Um, what's I going to answer? So yeah, so the funds they're raising are part, part of it will go towards the trip. They got to get the boat there. They got to have all the supplies, they have food, they got to have ways to clean their water. They have to have nav- navigation systems, communication systems, like all the things, right. But everything else too, then that goes into the fight or die organization to help, help fund those courses, you know, and other further programs, right. Um, that'll come down the pipeline for, um, serving veterans. So the race itself, uh, there are teams from all over the world. Uh, and what's really cool is, in anticipation of my husband being there next year, I watched the live like launch when they all were leaving the harbor in uh, the Canary Islands. I was like getting teary and my husband wasn't on a boat, right? He was standing next to me uh, because most of them are doing it. I mean, they're from all over the world, but a lot of them were doing it in, you know, four different causes, four different, you know, uh, you know, reasons, not just, I'm going to go row the ocean and, you know, this will be really fun. Yeah. Um, so, but, and there were a couple of other veteran teams out there. I think there were two other veteran teams this year from other organizations mm. that were doing this as well. Um, but here's the interesting thing. Less people have rowed the Atlantic ocean than have climbed Mount Everest. I think it's like less than a thousand people have ever rowed the Atlantic ocean. So like, oh my goodness, guys are going to be like in like, you know, the point, whatever, whatever percentile percentile. Oh, cool. yeah. Yeah. 
of doing that. So this year is full of a lot of training. We have a rower in our basement. You know, the guys are, they're doing a raffle right now. So I don't know when this is going to air, but they have constant raffles going on where companies have donated. We have right now a trip that's been donated. So that's what's being raffled, but there are also other like gear and products and, you know, cool guy stuff um, that's being raffled off that companies are donating. And then companies are donating um, supplies and food and, you know, and those and things that they're going to need for their trip. So right now we're looking to really just raise awareness. Number one, know that mental health issues are extremely uh, common uh, when it comes to our military uh, community, right? So being aware of that and knowing that there are resources out there like the first aid course uh, and, and as well as the scholarships and things like that. Um, so we're looking to raise awareness, you know, and spreading the word. There are opportunities if you want to donate five bucks or if you've got 50,000 bucks that you want to donate. So yeah. their goal is to raise $500,000 or more. So my or husband's more, goal yeah. is get this. There was a team, I think it was two years ago from another, another country, another organization. They raised a million dollars for dogs. And my husband is like, holy cow, if they can raise a million dollars for dogs, we can raise a million dollars for veterans. Like, for people. Let's, let's perspective here, <laughs> That's right? amazing. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so he's got bigger dreams than his, you know, than they're putting out there right now. But um, yeah, so but but we're looking for, you know, just individuals who want to support yeah. and you want to give whatever it's all tax deductible because it's nonprofit. Or if you have a company or a business or you work for a company or a business or you know, you have some resources that you're connected to that could be a bigger donor. Like yeah. those are huge ways that, you know, that we can help make a bigger ripple effect I love um, that. with this level. So, and, and all of this information is on your individual website that is like represents your, the, your team. Yes. Yes. So the okay. website, and we'll make sure this is down in the show, the show notes yeah. too, is, yes. uh, is FOD. So fight or die FOD23.org fod23.org. Um, and like I said, that video is on the homepage. The link to go learn about when the next mental health courses is on the homepage as well. There are pages the on there about donating and sponsoring. The raffle the raffle stuff is not on there just because oh. that's kind of always changing. Yes, uh, okay. It may come up uh, you know, on their next one and we'll have just kind of keep an eye there. And then you can follow them on social. And so the social links are on the website as well, but, you know, follow them on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and kind of see what their journey's like before they get on the boat. And then once they get on the boat, um, you know, and then after they get on the boat. So I'll be cheering from here, right? I'm going to be household yeah. six. I'm, I will meet you in Antigua. I am not getting in a boat. <laughs> household six once again. Right and again, then do right you guys, this is kind of a silly question, but do you just celebrate Christmas in January or like, I wonder why it's always on December 12th, you know? I, I don't know. I think there's something about the ocean being a little calmer at that time yeah, so priority. yeah I mean it's fun if you look if you watch the video you'll see I think some of the pictures actually show people with like New Year's glasses and Santa's hats you know and stuff like that because they have a hard time time keeping track of time because when oh, they're on the sure. boat, they row in like two three or four hour rotations and so you but just barely get off, off you know the oars and you're trying to eat and then you're trying to sleep and then you have to get back on again so they're like mixed up they have no idea what day is what and you know that kind of thing wow. but they see some beautiful views i'll just say if you look at some of the sure. pictures on the website or on the videos i mean stunning right just incredible yeah, the do they have a the team water. name they are team ranger um uh, because all of them are rangers or have been rangers at some point in their career so that's what they're they're going with right now and uh yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for telling us about that. It's a, such a cool program. And we're very excited for your husband and his team. And we'll make right. sure to link all that information in like, like Lissa said in the show notes. And um, I think we're pretty close to wrapping up here. But I wanted to find out from you, uh, if there was anything else that you wanted to share, like specifically, as we've talked about throughout this episode, um, as we've been we've been speaking to that, for us, we're speaking to that woman, right? Because we we are women in these relationships, these military relationships, we're speaking to that woman who identifies with what you've shared today and, and feels like that could be what's going on in her marriage or that they're right in the thick of it or they feel like they're trapped or they're still in that phase where they're pretending like nothing's wrong or whatever, right? At any point, yeah. if they yeah. identified, but like, what would you, what anything else that you want to share with her or say to her before we wrap up today? Yeah, let me just circle back to something I just kind of mentioned um, is that, you know, we're all getting in a boat of some kind. Yes. Right. So I'm not setting foot in this rowboat. Right. But I've been in the boat and rowing this ocean of, you know, of loving someone with PTSD and navigating that, you know, and so whether 
that's the hard boat that you're rowing right now. Um, or maybe it's something with your kids, or maybe it's something with extended family. It may not even be connected to military stuff, although the military has a way of, you know, bringing hard stuff into our lives. Right. Um, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, yeah, I'm solo parenting for a while or whatever it is. Like, just know, like you are not alone. You don't have to be in that boat by yourself. You know, you don't have to just keep going to exhaustion, you know, find, you know, run number one, recognize your own needs and that maybe you are weary and tired and can't do it by yourself and then reach out, you know, that's, that's, that's what this is all about, right? That, um, that we are supporting and helping and encouraging and holding one another up. And like you said, sometimes we're not the one that's going to fix it, but we can help get them to that next place and get them to that resource. So, you know, so see, you know, look around you and just, you know, start somewhere to start reaching out or find someone that you're watching and you're saying, it seems like you're rowing really hard and really long and you seem like you're, you might be struggling. Like, you know, would you be open to having a conversation? I'd love to just check in and see how you're doing. You know, that person may say, thanks for, you know, your concern, but really I'm fine, but I'd rather err on the side of being wrong. Right. Uh, but more chances than not, like something hard is probably going on in their life. And, you know, you may be the first person that's really cared enough to ask and to sit down and have that conversation. So whether you're the one in the boat or you're watching somebody, you know, in the boat, uh, step out and say something. Well, and if, like, like you mentioned, if they're, if they're not ready in that moment to share when that moment comes that they are ready to open up about it, they will hopefully remember that you were one that said, Hey, exactly. I, I'm noticing some things. I'm care. I care about you. I'm worried for you. And then when they're ready, then they might come back to you or you might try again, you know, at some point. So that's such, such a good point. And I want to add one more thought to that. I love leaving this episode on that concept of you are not alone and that encouragement, because that is, that is the, the main purpose of this is support, love, encouragement, and like hope in, in what your future could look like and what resources could be available to you as soon as you feel ready to pursue those resources. I just want to add one more thought to that, that um, I've shared this a little bit on my podcast with my husband has had a very uh, small experience with PTSD. There's a whole spectrum, which I know we've touched on a little bit in this episode, but I want to make sure that we get that out there, that it's going to affect each soldier or each you know service member differently. It's going to affect each marriage differently. It's going to affect each spouse differently. They're going to be exposed to different things or even the same things, and it will affect them differently, you know? And so it's just so important to make space for that as you work to see if this is something that you're dealing with, see if that awareness and to not let that be a piece that's talk, like having you talk yourself out of it. It's like, oh, well, because that's something that he's probably doing. Oh, it wasn't even that bad. Oh, I didn't even see like that many terrible things or I didn't see any terrible things. They can still... Right deal with that. And that's what my husband experienced, just the concept of what your brain goes through when there's even potential danger, even if they didn't experience danger, didn't see anyone in danger, your brain is, is impacted and changed by yeah. that whole scenario. And there's a whole spectrum of the way it can affect you. And so just make sure to make a lot of space for that for yourself and for your service member to know that like, this is one reason we go get individual help when we're worried something like this is going on because there's such a spectrum of experience and impact. So I think that's, right. that was just one more thing I wanted to add on there. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Making space. That's what that, that, that's really important. I love that. Yeah. yeah I love that. Okay. Well, this has been wonderful. Lisa. thank you so much for being here today. And again, like I said at the beginning for sharing your story, because it's powerful and we need, we need it shared so that people don't feel alone. And so that they do know even just that one thing they can do next, even if this is just hearing this gives them the, just that one little kernel of hope and courage to reach out to a person in their life to, you know, again, take that step after step after step. And yeah, yeah. I'm huge on prevention, right? So had yeah. I known more in the beginning, you know, not that it would have changed or could have prevented everything, but you know, I would have been more prepared. So I would even say to that person, like, I'm thinking of my, my future daughter-in-law, right. Yeah. She's right at the very beginning, you know, hopefully it's going to be blissful for a really long time, you know, but mm. I think just having these tools in your toolkit, being prepared, knowing what could happen, not in a, I'm worrying about it or, you know, fearful, when is it going to happen? But just I think the more aware and more prepared you are, the better you are able to re respond and to be resilient. Right. And I think that's, that's really, really key. So it's don't wait till you're in crisis. If you don't have to, I mean, if you're like me and once you're in the middle of it, you got to then you got to figure it out. Okay. You do it. But yeah, if you can be as competitive as possible, I think that's always the best solution. I love that. And I love that you guys have found this program to put your efforts into 
from that place of experience. And that's something we can always take from hard experiences, especially when we're on the other side of them is like, what good can I make of this now? And you guys have have found that. And I love that. Okay. Before we end, I just want to get just a little bit more information from you. I know I've said before we end like three times and here we are not ending yet, but I want to know one more time, the website I'll, I'll put it on the show notes, but let's just say kind of each thing. Okay. Yes. The website is FOD23.org. Okay. And this is Team Ranger that we are rooting for you guys. Yes. I love yes, that. Right. But I will <laughs> encourage you, even after my husband's done, like we'll still keep cheering for the next teams, right? Yes. Like, like a brotherhood, I think, you know, like kind of like that, that group, like once you, once you're up in a cause together, you just keep cheering each other on. So oh, yeah. yeah, so cheer and, for them, but then keep following, right. Keep cheering. And for this the next- is something that you only do once, right. I mean, is that kind of the idea behind it? Well, my husband has some harebrained idea. He's going to go row the Pacific ocean after this, but I'm oh, not wow. quite sure that's going to happen he's right been, now. So we're just going to get through the Atlantic and then we'll figure it out. <laughs> he's been bit by the rowing bug. But okay. if anyone's listening and they or their spouse are crazy enough to get in a boat, there is a team that, you know, launches every year. So they're always looking for able and willing people to, to go out and do this. So keep that in mind. What a cool thing to train for. Uh, okay. I want to hear just uh, a little bit of information about you and your coaching. We're not going to get into it right now because that's sure. not what this was about, but we, I love that you're a life coach. So just tell me really quick who you are and how to find you in case anyone's interested. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. And really, this is what saved me during that time because I didn't know who I was. I turned 40. I'm in this, like, I don't know what's happening in my marriage. I don't know who I am. You know, it was like, ah, uh, and so I started doing the work on me and then saw, oh my goodness, I'm not the only one, right. Other people. And really the more I've talked to women, the more and more I hear, whether it's in the military community or it's out in civilian life, life is busy. I'm always busy. It's just, I never have enough time and I'm always here and there. And, and so I really just have a heart to help women to redeem their time. Like, how do we make the best use of it in the season we're in? Like this military season is a season, you know, they will retire at some point or this season will change. Motherhood is a season, you know, like different ages and stages of our lives are seasons. And so there are going to be different priorities in different seasons, but here's what happens if we don't take care of ourselves in this season, it will impact number one, all those around us in the season. It's also going to impact the seasons to come. Um, and so I work with women to help them with life planning and time management so that they don't feel like life is just passing them by. And they're like, you know, a bunch of great intentions that never really actually, you know, happen. So you can find my website. It's redeemhertime.com. That's the best place to find me. The podcast link is there. My free community. If you want to do a coaching call or uh, take a look at my program or anything like that, that's everything is housed on redeemhertime.com. Awesome. And your podcast is also called Redeem Her Time. It's called Redeem Her Time. Yep. Wonderful. So make sure you check out Lissa's podcast. That that whole concept is so powerful. So I'm really grateful that you're willing to share that with us as well. Time management is critical, crucial, such a, such an amazing tool in your tool belt, right? (laughs) Right. Yes. Yes. We have a right perspective on it for sure. Okay. Wonderful. Well, this has been a real pleasure and thank you so much and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Are you ready to take what you are learning here on this podcast to the next level? Then let's work together. I would be honored to be your life coach and help you create the life you dream about by focusing on what is always in your control, your mindset. Are you ready for everything in your life to feel different and better without needing to change any of your circumstances? Then schedule a free call with me by going to my website, simplyresilient.net. I can't wait to work with you.